0: she will give you some tips to make sure our podcast is rocking and rolling. Let's go, baby.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to a very exciting episode of the Wonder Tooth podcast. We have a very famous, incredible human being, Liz Elting. Liz is the founder and CEO of the Elizabeth Elting Foundation, a New York-based entrepreneur, a business leader, a best-selling author, a a philanthropist, a feminist and a mother. She is recognized as one of the most successful self-made women in the world. And she is celebrated for her work to tackle systemic barriers to success and equality and to develop the next generation of women business leaders. During Liz's time as a co-founder of TransPerfect, was an eighth time winner of the Inc 5000 Award a winner of the 2015 Smart CEO Corporate Culture Awards, and earned numerous TV awards, including Company of the Year, Fastest Growing Tech Company of the Year. It was continually recognized as one of the largest privately-held companies and largest and fast-growing women-owned companies in the world, and was named the Internet Marketing Association's Best Translation Solution. Welcome to our podcast, Liz.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Rodwa. I'm so honored to be here and excited.
1: We are very excited. We are very honored. I cannot even tell you. I am so excited. I told everybody, I'm like, I'm going to record a podcast with Liz. She's incredible. And they were like, well, when is it going to air? And I said, soon. So oh. everybody's really waiting <laughs> to hear this specific podcast. Oh. So tell me a little bit oh, about thank
2: you. you. Well, again, thrilled to be here. Thank you.
1: How did you come up with this whole Liz Elting Foundation. And what's your background?
2: Oh, sure. So as far as, so you would like, should I talk about the foundation as opposed to the company? You can talk about both, really. Okay, basically, I founded the company in 1992, uh, co-ran it for 26 years, and then in 2018, sold the company. And after 26 years of doing that, I was so excited to start my foundation. And the foundation's mission is to help support and empower women and people from diverse and marginalized communities. And it has been so gratifying. And, and the reason I did it is I was in business for 26 years. I was incredibly busy, basically building the business, running the business and taking care of my family or you know, having kids and had the joy of having children that i didn't really have time to get involved in causes but i did see a number of issues with how women were treated and how people from diverse and marginalized communities were treated not to mention the fact that we all deserve a fighting chance we all deserve opportunities Uh, some of us are not born into the right family or the right zip code and we don't have um, parents who are able to pay for an education And I wanted to make it so everyone could achieve their dreams. And one of the things I like to say is work today like no one else will. So you can live and give tomorrow like no one else can. And that's what I've tried to do with my foundation.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So it's now it's time to give back to the community. This is great. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I'm I, as I know, as I said, I am very fortunate. I'm one of the lucky ones. And why shouldn't everyone have the same opportunities? And that's what this is all about.
1: That's that's so impressive. And how did you come up with the idea of building the company to begin with?
2: Sure. So I had always loved languages. I was fortunate to live in five countries by the time I was 21, When I was eight and nine, I lived in Portugal. When I was 10, I moved to Canada. And then during college, I studied in Spain and after college in Venezuela. And I studied four languages. I majored in languages in college and loved languages. I got to New York in 1987, a million years ago, when I was 21 years old. And I was fortunate to find a translation company. Um, And I thought, wow, how perfect. I love languages. And I wanted to be in business. I wanted to be a business person. I had worked since I was 10 years old. I had had job after job. And I thought, great. I knew I wanted to be a business person. And this is a way to combine my love for languages with business. So I worked in the company for three years and had an amazing experience. I was first in production, where I helped take the jobs from start to finish. And then I was in sales, where I got to deal with the clients and solve their problems. And I loved it, loved all of it but saw ways that it could be done better. I saw a gap between what clients needed and what was available in the industry, both at my company and the other companies that were out there. I also didn't know where I could really go with my company. It was a relatively flat organization. There wasn't, I mean, it, it was quite small. Uh, it was about 90 people, which at the time was the world's largest, but there wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't really where I thought I'd have my career. So I went back to school, Got my MBA from NYU Business School, majored in finance, and very briefly, after graduating, tried out finance because I thought, well, this is practical. I need to make sure I can pay my bills, so I'm going into finance. Learned very quickly that was not where I belonged. I didn't enjoy the industry. It was not my thing. I found it to be quite dry, what I was doing. It was equity arbitrage, and it was a lot of number crunching and paper pushing, and I had loved the translation industry. Um, I also, because I was a woman there, the only woman, Mm -hmm. I was treated differently, like a lot of women have been treated in business, and certainly women in finance are, are even more likely, perhaps, to have had that experience. Anyway, I quit after six weeks and then thought, I had loved the translation industry. I thought it could be done better. I'm young, I'm used to living like a student, I'm used to not having money, I'm not married, I have no children, no big commitments. so if not now, when? I'm going to do it now. And that was really what prompted me to start the company. But I will say one last thing. At the time, there were 10,000 translation companies out there, so it wasn't as though I was the only one who had the idea but they were usually started and run by translators who were brilliant, but they were busy doing the translations to, so they couldn't scale their companies. So I thought, okay, we'll do this differently. I don't have that good language knowledge. I am not translator level. I don't have complete fluency in the languages and the technical expertise. You, know, you need the terminology expertise yeah. when you're translating. So I thought, we'll do this differently and do it better. And, the, and I thought, if I'm doing it, Given that there are all these translation companies out there, why don't I go big? Sort of go big or go home. I'm going to give it everything I have and try to build the world's largest. And that was the goal from the NYU dormer.
1: Wow. So you actually had the idea that this is going to be the biggest company in the world when you were at the dorms.
2: I, I wanted it to be because, you know, as I said, there, were a lot of, there was already a lot of competition, and I knew other people starting translation companies. I wasn't the only one with that idea. The other people I had worked with at that original translation company were going out and doing it. So I thought, well, if I'm, you know, go big and shoot for the stars mm-hmm. and then I'm more likely to least get close if not there. So yes, that was the goal. And the goal was to basically create one a company that was a one-stop shop for language solutions with offices in every major city throughout the world. That was the goal. It's the,
1: the mindset. The world's premier
2: language solutions. It's
1: company. the mindset. That's... So during your work as a businesswoman, what are the biggest, the three biggest lessons that you learned through your, throughout your career as a co CEO?
2: Oh gosh, there are so many um, things I learned. And I talk about this in my book, and I appreciate that you've read my book, but so many lessons based on what I did right. And the many, many things I did wrong. So I'll just try to name a few. I guess, you know, one thing was, I thought the way this company is going to be different from our competitors is by spoiling the client with service. And I ultimately still believe that. But what I learned along the way, the way you do that, and you know, having the best culture out there is critical. To, uh, to having a successful company. So I, I learned it's all about the employees, their happiness, they're being incentivized. That's key. Mm-hmm. Another thing I learned was um, it's hard work. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, you can't really be an overnight success. You know, people always want to know what the silver bullet is. It's, it's having goals and then making sure you know what actions, you need. you break down what actions you need to do to achieve them. And these are, overall goals, annual goals, quarterly goals, and then break those down into actions that you need to do to achieve them. And then be tough on yourself and your team, your coworkers, and don't quit. Um, Perseverance is key, hard work and perseverance to, to make it. And so it's hard work over a sustained period of time. So I guess that's a second lesson. And then I guess the third is curiosity slash innovation. I think it's being curious about everything, asking your employees their feedback, asking your employees for their ideas, asking your clients their feedback, and asking them for their ideas, and then reading and talking to people and understanding what's going on so that you can then innovate. And that is really you know, anticipating your client's needs before they have them, or they know they have them, and then offering them new solutions based on what either they're saying they need or they haven't said they need, just continually innovating. So I think those are three of the very important things. And I could name more now that I'm talking, I'm thinking about more. I think one last one is, I mean, and this is part of what we made our core values at our company, but so important to me, and I learned it from a lot of different experiences, integrity, right? If You don't have integrity, if your people don't have integrity, what do you have? You have nothing. And it's something that was always very important to me. It's a, it's a life value, but it's a critical part of your company. And if that's not as it should be, you know, that's an issue. All bets are off. So I guess those are, I guess, four I gave you. And now Perfect. I will stop.
1: And the rest okay. is going to be in the book. Everything yes. is going to be in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so these are the three biggest lessons. What are the three biggest challenges that you have? encountered during your work as a CEO, -CEO. co-CEO?
2: Well, one of the things I found consistently was, I mean, in the early days, it was lonely, it was hard work, it was very um, tedious, you know, very boring, repetitive, (laughs) literally for us, I mean, it was literally getting names of people who had a, a need for our service and sending out letter after letter, and of course, later, email after email or making connection after connection and phone call after phone call all in the hopes that they would have a translation project mm-hmm. so in the early days it's incredibly tedious and hard work so that that was one and then when you get the work that you try so hard to get you get the business then it's bringing in the people and finding the right people and hiring the right people and retaining those people so I would I think most business owners and and leaders feel that that is the biggest challenge of business, right? If you can help, you know, to, to, to recruit and develop and retain the best people. retain them, yes. 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 And that was a constant kind of struggle and challenge. And it can be hard because often in business, when business is good, there's a ton of work for everybody. And then, you know, and then it can decrease. And, and so how do you have the right number? of people you don't want to have too many because mm-hmm. you can't support it and of course you will burn, burn people out mm-hmm. but you also, of course what i'm saying you yeah. want to make sure you have the right number yeah um so okay so that was another challenge um and i guess what's the last uh challenge i mean there are certainly lots of them i guess figuring out how to make sure you're continually differentiating yourself um from your competitors, number one, and changing with the times, because I mean, we know certainly in the business I was in, AI has come in in a huge way and in, all businesses, but in all businesses, of course, but in the business I was in, but we needed to figure out you know, how do we incorporate technology as that came into play over the years and how can we do it differently and better than our competitors so our clients never want to leave us. I mean, so I guess those are some of the, the challenges and, and, yeah, that, to, that we had.
1: So these are really great lessons, great um, feedback from one of the biggest businesswomen in the world, really, that all of us as businessmen, businesswomen, we really have to take that. But what is your advice for businesswomen or women who are actually running businesses right now or who wants to start their business, you know? They don't want to do the nine-to-five jobs. They want to start their own businesses. What's your advice?
2: Yes, and I think it's wonderful if they want to go out on their own. And as I said, there may be competitors in your industry. There will be, and that's okay. Don't confuse being an entrepreneur with being an inventor. You do not need to invent something entirely new to be wildly successful. It's more about doing it differently Mm -hmm. and better. So just figure out what that is and how you're going to do it differently and better. And I think one of the most important things to do, as I have mentioned, is spoiling the client and then later your employees with service. And if you do that, if you act like you're on the inside of their companies, like you work for them, with them, and you act like you're an employee of their companies, that is the best service out there. If they think you would jump in front of a bus for them. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a differentiator in any industry. So I think that's super important. I would also say don't wait for your idea or at the timing to be perfect, the time to be perfect, because it never will. And I have struggled with being a perfectionist my entire life. Same it, as me. Yeah. Yes, but perfect can be the enemy of good or of getting it done. Mm-hmm. And so don't overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Just take the risk if that's what you consider it. And it's really not a risk because it's a risk not to do it because if you don't do it, you'll always wonder and you're probably not completely happy with what you have. So take the risk, do it. Worst comes to, comes to worst. It doesn't work out. And then you you move on and that's okay. That's super important. And, and re- so, okay. So what did I say? Differentiate yourself with spoiling the client. Um, Take the risk. Don't be a perfectionist um, about it. I guess that's a third. And then when you do it, I'm a big believer in kind of focus, focus, be all in, be intense about it, be deliberate about it. Uh, When you wake up in the morning, think, okay, how can I sell more? Mm -hmm. When you go to sleep at night, how can I sell more? Because Otherwise, it's too easy to get distracted. I see people who have wonderful ideas. Maybe they have too many wonderful ideas and they're not focused on the one and sticking with it, but stick with it, make it your mission, be addicted to it and do it intensely. Like during the hours you do it and maybe the hours are 8.30 in the morning to six. And I say that because those were the hours of our company for many years be intense, be focused, don't get distracted by water cooler talk or small talk or or whatever is happening in the background at your home and if you're mm-hmm. working remotely, don't let yourself, be tough on yourself during the day, be intense, have goals for yourself and don't let yourself get up for a break until you accomplish a certain yeah. number of actions. Yes, and then then when you do accomplish them and when your day is over at whatever time it is, then put it aside and go focus on your family, your outside interests, because of course you need a break and um, do it that way. But compartmentalize, I guess is what I'm saying, because in this day and age, it's too easy not to with constant, yeah. you know, emails. But you have to for your own well-being. And so you have enough balance in your life. But be when you're focused on it, be. I mean, when you're doing it, be focused, be all in. And don't let yourself get distracted with other things.
1: I agree. I actually, you, I feel like you're talking to me. I really <laughs> feel, I really like, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm very goal. I'm, I'm so like goal driven. And this is how I kind of, I'm like, you know, a little achiever, but I think this is how I got to where I'm at because I put a goal and I'm like, I'm going to get to this goal no matter what. And people, they're like, Oh, you're overachieving. You're doing too much. But I'm like, I have to keep pushing myself. I have to keep pushing. You do,
2: because no one else will. No
1: one else will.
2: You- <clears throat> yes, you do. And it's very rewarding because sure, while you're doing it, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It can be a lot of hard work. But it's so gratifying when you accomplish those goals that it makes that hard work worth it. And so good for you that you have the goals and you're being tough on yourself and you're delivering. And that's, that's amazing. That- Thank yeah, you. congrats.
1: So the takeaway now from this amazing podcast, you have to keep going. Put goals and keep going. Because we're like right on the verge of 2024 now. So be focused, set a goal, and keep going. What Liz Elting would want to say? That's one of the things I
2: say related to that is say it. Set it, do it, and then do it again. I love it. Meaning, yeah, say what your goal is. Say what your overall goal is, then set the smaller goals and the actions to get there. Do it, and then when you reach that goal, do it again.
1: I love it. What an amazing episode! And to top it all, to top this all, twenty twenty four is going to be the year for all of us. And we are going to meet, to meet with Liz Elting in person guys. In per- This is the lady that you don't meet out, like you don't meet her. You just don't walk around like in a supermarket. Oh, hey Liz. This is a very, like I cannot even tell you how honored we are like really to have her. She is coming to our office in Princeton and we are so excited. She's coming for her book signing. Dream Big and Win. This is the book for 2024. This is This is the book. I read it. It's incredible. The journey is incredible and it's very inspirational. And I'm really serious. My kids are coming to attend because I'm like, okay, you gotta learn. You have to learn. And um, a lot of my friends and families and business people, like, we are so excited to have you coming to New Jersey on January 27th, guys. January 27th, it's a Saturday. Liz Elting herself is coming to our office. And I cannot, I'm, I have to, you know, I have to write it down in front of them because I, I still cannot believe it. <laughs> I'm
2: still like, oh my God. I'm
1: so, I'm so honored to see
2: you in person and to meet all of your wonderful
1: yeah. colleagues. Friends. We are so excited because people, they hear about you. They don't, like they hear about you. Liz Elting, guys, she is the, I'm telling you, she is one of those people that she's more than a superstar, okay? And I met superstars, but you are <laughs> because—and you know why? Because you are so down to earth. You are—you are very genuine. You know, I really mean it. You and I keep telling everybody: she is so down to earth. She's so humble. You can talk to her as if you are talking to your friend that you've known that friend for like twenty years. Of course, oh. we're twenty-one. Both of us, Liz. Both of us. We're going <laughs> to. Yeah, right. So <laughs> we were born. We're yeah. yeah, speaking yeah. About. Yes. Yeah. So we're but born. <laughs> an incredible human being. That book is to die for. This is the hmm. book for 2024. Okay. If you don't have it, okay. Bing. If you don't have that book, go get it right now. And <laughs> we'll see you, Liz. We're so happy. We're going to see you soon. January 27th. Well, well, I can't wait to see
2: you all in person. I'm so excited about it. And in the meantime, just keep dreaming big. Don't quit and you will keep winning. So thank you so much, Rod. This was amazing and so excited to see all of you.
1: Thank you so very much.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to our weekly podcast. This show wouldn't really be possible without you. If you are a fan of the show, please leave us a comment on Instagram at Rod Wasad underscore DMD. The link is in the show notes. Until our next episode, remember, if you take care of your teeth, your teeth will take care of you. Keep smiling with Dr. Saad.